That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he belt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte. Bones, our, our softball season came to an end unceremoniously on Monday. Lost in the first round of the playoffs. Tough defeat. Bats weren't working. Is you could have come on here and you could have said we won the championship. Nobody would have known. Uh, somebody out there would have known. We lost. And by somebody, I mean friend of the show, Eric Arditi, who did lose in the championship. Did he? He did. Tough for him. Not to us, because well, we didn't make the championship. Yeah, we lost. I mean, we went up against some of the uh, hardest competitors in the softball sphere. Tryhards, we call them. I mean, they were out there. They were trying, and they were trying hard. And, they were. Uh, you know, I respect that, but at the end of the day, I don't. Yeah. So, um, the end of the day, I really we don't. We lost. We lost. We did. Yeah. Uh, a lot to talk about today. Mostly Felix Bautista. Real quick, though, can we talk about the Angels for just like a second? Sure, man. Who just kind of hit sim to off season that and was they wild. sent lucas giolito reynaldo lopez matt moore hunter renfro and randall gritchick all to waivers yeah i don't think i've ever seen pick. anything like that before i don't think that's ever happened before yeah to my knowledge but maybe it happened in like that seems like something that could happen like way early on and like would be like a fool's tale or something um <laughs> maybe but yeah i mean it's it's pretty wild yeah so, I mean, I don't think the Orioles are going to get any of those guys just because it's reverse order, you know, reverse. No, what record. probably the worst time, I mean, there's never a bad time to have the best record in the American League, but if you were to pick a time, <laughs> yeah, that is the worst time it. to have the this best record in the American League, this is probably the worst time <laughs> because some playoff team, I mean, I don't know if any teams that are out of playoff contention are going to claim guys like Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez. It's possible that, you know, maybe somebody just needs innings and they'll claim Lucas Giolito. But you could be looking at somebody further down the waiver order who is, like, fighting for a playoff spot. Like, think of, like, the Cleveland Guardians, who yeah. really need innings right now, are trying to make a push for the division. They're slowly gaining on the Twins getting there. Think about the difference that Lucas Giolito could make for them right now. They also folded on that trade. For Giolito and Oh, yeah. They, they gave said, ah. up a top 100 prospect <laughs> like a month ago. That's crazy. Wait, and, I mean, the Angels are just... I, they called up Nolan Shawnowell. Who's who, a dog, by the way. Who is hitting like 350. We talked about on this podcast a prior to the draft. We knew he was a dog. Yeah. I didn't know he was that much of a dog, but I knew that he had it in him. He does have that dog in him. He's he got does. like a 488 on base percentage through he's 9 or 10 games. He's proven it doesn't matter if you're in the minors or not. No. Or if you played at a... Power five school or not, apparently. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. FAU. At the go. Angels. Owls. I don't know what the Angels are doing. They're they're just trailblazers among uh baseball. Yeah. So you gotta respect that at the end of the day. <laughs> they are they are certainly making decisions <laughs> that nobody thought they would make. Well, there there goes the fun part of the show. We have we have not fun things to talk about. Of course, and that is the injury to Felix Bautista. Sucks. That sucks. I, there's really, we're not going to spend a ton of time reacting to the injury itself because there's not much to talk about. I mean, 
it has been described as some degree of injury to his UCL by Mike Elias. And Elias kind of said, you know, we don't have enough information at this point. We are not going to sit here and speculate over the Felix Bautista injury until we hear. The only thing we can say is that some degree of injury to the UCL is not good. I was about to say, any degree of injury to the UCL is bad news. It's not good. Especially when they throw him on the IL. Um, So, bad news bears, for sure. Yeah. He threw a pitch over 102 miles an hour and was visibly in some discomfort. He landed a little weird on the pitch that he got yeah, injured. Yeah, nobody realized it was his arm. No, somebody thought while. it might have been like a knee or an ankle yeah. or something like that, something better than UCL. Uh, but UCL kind of felt like the worst-case scenario. Always Again, is. we don't know the injury. Best-case scenario, maybe it is something really minor that he can rehab quickly. Maybe we see him in the playoffs. Who knows? I'm not a doctor, so I really don't know the, right. the different p- potentialities here, but all I know is UCL means bad. Yeah, and Michael Elias kind of alluded to the fact, I think he pretty much said, like, you can Google the range of outcomes. Of course, the worst-case scenario here would be Tommy John surgery, and we see him in 2025. Hopefully, that is not the case. Why would you put that into the universe? That was wild that is, you. That is the range of outcomes. That was absurd. It can either be kind of okay, and we see him, or it can be kind of worst-case. Obviously, hoping it is not worst-case, Just trying to lay out the possibilities here for Felix Bautista. Hard to replace the best reliever in baseball. There is no replacing the best reliever in baseball. On the season, 33 saves in ERA under 150, striking out over 16 batters per nine innings. Don't want to go as far as to say that he was pitching like we saw prime Zach Britton pitch in Baltimore because Zach Britton, of course, had that .54 ERA in 2016. But if, if you look at Zach Britton in 2015, had a 192 ERA, 36 saves, 10.5 Ks per nine. Felix Batista was on a better pace than that. Like Zach Britton, he had a real case for the Cy Young as well. Yeah. I mean, he was out there mowing hitters down. Uh, I mean, for a large part of the season, led the team in war. Um, I mean, he was such a valuable part to the team, and obviously... Uh, you're going to miss that back end of the bullpen, but luckily the Orioles have a couple other really talented arms in that back end, but none quite as fierce uh, as Felix Bautista. Yeah, and again, we're not going to spend a ton of time reacting to the injury itself. It is what it is. He's on the injured list. Remains to be seen what the outcome is there. For the time being, the Orioles have to figure out how they are going to manage their bullpen without their star closer. And when you were looking at candidates to close games, seems like the most obvious candidate and the one that we have seen so far is Yenir Cano. We saw it in the first game when Felix Bautista was out. It was a save situation. Yenir Cano comes into the game. It is a nice luxury to have when your all-star closer goes down that you replace him with your all-star setup, man. Yeah. I mean, what a what a godsend Yenir Cano has been for this team Yeah, um, this season. Again, like we've talked about it before, but a guy who people were questioning why he was even on the spring training roster to becoming an all-star this year. I mean, what uh, just a range of, of talent um, this season for Yenir Cano. Uh, the other thing is having a guy like him who, again, has that dog in him. He's built for the moment. 
staring down hitters after he strikes him out. He is a menace on the mound, not a guy you want to see if you're a hitter in the box. Um, so if you're an Orioles fan, you're really, really happy uh, to have somebody like him to back Felix up. Of course, bad situation, but uh, the Orioles' bullpen still in pretty solid hands with Cano, who also has a sub-2 ERA and is also just going out there and, and shutting people down. Yeah, Cano has also been awesome in the month of August. He has pitched 12 innings to a ERA of zero. Opponents are hitting 163 in the month of August. We've seen Cano's slider usage go up a good bit. Obviously, I think the biggest difference between Cano and Bautista is that you aren't going to see the overwhelming strikeout numbers from Yenier Cano. You might see a little bit better control. Cano has not walked as many guys this season as Felix Bautista has, but Felix Bautista is also striking out about double the guys per nine innings that Yenier Cano is this and year. you're not going to catch Felix, you know? Like, right. That's a losing race if you're going to run it. Um, but... Cano gets the job done, like you said. He might not get the strikeouts, but he's going to get the job done. And the one time this month, that Rockies game just a couple days ago, uh, where he did get the loss, unearned run, right. um, and ended up scoring on a Baltimore chop. So, is what it is. Yeah, Cano this year, five saves, a 156 ERA, which is, again, still pretty Bonkers. unbelievable. Yeah. Whip below one. I think he's probably the closest to Bautista, not in terms of the overwhelming going to strike everybody out kind of stuff. But a shutdown guy. Yes, and stuff that will just miss bats. Cano this year in the 94th percentile in barrel rate among pitchers, which means he's just not allowing a lot of hard contact, is missing a lot of barrels, quite literally. So Cano, again, still a very good replacement. I think there's a legitimate argument to be made, too, that... If there was a bullpen that was most well-equipped to lose somebody like Felix Bautista, it was probably the Orioles because they had just another all-star reliever waiting in the wings that is now being asked to cover you know, the ninth inning rather than the eighth inning, but he's still been unbelievable this year. The yeah. Orioles, not that any team wants to lose the best reliever in baseball, but the Orioles may be the most well-equipped to have this happen, unfortunately. Yeah, and he's a guy who comes equipped with one insane pitch, which is yeah. that sinker kind of change-up thing that runs in on righties, runs away from lefties. Uh, that's the kind of pitch that guys walk away from the box going, what the heck was that? Yeah. And yeah. how do I hit it? Like, how am I supposed to be able to hit that thing? Um, so you have that on your side, too, when you're in your cano. Um, but you're right. If any bullpen was equipped with a guy who could replace a, a talent like Felix Bautista, it's the Orioles with Yenner Cano. Yeah, so let's talk about what that means, moving Yenner Cano to your closer role. I think that's probably the most obvious thing. I think occasionally we could see some other guys mixed in in a ninth inning role, like we saw Yenner Cano mixed in with Felix Bautista every once in a while. It's going to have a trickle-down effect because if you move Yenier Cano from your setup man to your closer, well, now you need a new setup man. And if you are moving somebody from 6th, 7th inning to setup man, then you need a new 6th, 7th inning guy. So I think probably the guy behind Cano seems to be Danny Kulo, who has been, again, just really good this year. Yeah. And 
another guy who at the beginning of the season when the Orioles traded for Danny Coulomb, it was kind of like, okay, why? I don't really understand why we're trading for Danny Coulomb, but he has been excellent this year. He's appeared in 50 games with a 259 ERA, has one of the best fastball spin rates in the entire game. Again, not overwhelming stuff, but the strikeout numbers are pretty good. The control is great. I think Danny Coulomb is probably the logical next guy to be your setup man to replace Yenier Cano, who's replacing Felix Bautista. Absolutely. I mean, he's been so effective this season in any role that the Orioles have put him in. Uh, so I think he's absolutely your guy to bridge you to Cano because, like we said, I mean, what they had was so unbeatable, Cano to, to Bautista. It was almost like the game was over in the seventh if they had the lead. Um and I think Coulomb obviously isn't that dominant, but he could go in and do a job just like they could. So, And we've seen him do it very recently. So he's a guy that I have immense confidence in to be able to get into that role uh, and really lock in, especially down the stretch here. He's underratedly like a nine-year vet. So he's yeah. been around the league um, and a guy who knows that uh, playoff baseball is not something that comes every year. So... He's a guy I like to lock in and get ready for the playoffs and know that his role is a really, really important one on this team. Yeah, whip just over one. Kind of a sneaky 11 strikeouts per nine. He's a I don't know player. if I really think of Danny Coulomb as a high strikeouts guy, but that 11 strikeouts per nine, second highest in the Orioles' bullpen right now. Another guy I do want to mention, as if you are following along on YouTube and Facebook, got a comment about D.L. Hall on YouTube and how he could kind of be in a David Price sort of role, like when David Price went to the bullpen for the Rays when he was a rookie, became Adam Wainwright too. a really, yeah, Adam Wainwright did the same thing. D.L. Hall, I think, is really intriguing as a bullpen possibility. He is back in the Orioles' bullpen now, took a lot of time off this season, went down to the FCL. We know, you know, D.L. Hall didn't have the velocity that he wanted to have that really made him the pitcher that we have become accustomed to seeing over the last few years. When he was first up in the majors this year, the fastball was hovering right around 92, 93 miles per hour. That drastically changes the quality of pitcher that D.L. Hall is because a lot of his game is built off of dominant fastball, and then I'm going to get you really off balance for some big break off-speed stuff that may not have the best control in the world, but you're already all over the place because you're trying to watch out for 99-100. D.L. Hall got back into his workout regimen, was able to lift more. He said he you know, wasn't really able to work out the way he wanted to. The fastball velocity wasn't where it needed to be. He has come back over the last few days here, and we have seen D.L. Hall's fastball get back up to 97, 98 consistently. Yeah. And we have always said with Hall, even if he doesn't become the starter that we think he can become, he is going to be a dominant bullpen piece because he has an overwhelming fastball. He has really good secondary stuff that if he can control well, he's going to strike out everybody he's under the, the sun. Yeah. He just has to put it to... You know, to work. And it's always been a command issue, and this year it was a velocity issue. The velocity is back, and moving from the starting rotation to the bullpen can mitigate some of those control issues. If you're just able to get it under control for an inning, 
you're good to go. Also, not that it's no pressure, but it's a different kind of pressure starting a game or coming out of the bullpen. Absolutely. Late in the game. Uh, so maybe that's something that he copes with a little bit easier. Uh, and, and, you know, especially if you're coming in with a lead, uh, maybe he likes that a little bit more. And, and I think D.L. Hall, like you said, he could really flourish in this role. And when you have stuff like that, like he has with the high-velocity fastball and the high-breaking stuff as well, that can get even more lively when you only have to use it for an inning. Guys can rear back more knowing they don't have to go six more innings after this. So maybe we even see him throwing harder uh, than right. we're used to seeing. So I think D.L. Hall could be hugely helpful uh, at the back-end bullpen role. And if it's a night Coulomb needs off, throw in D.L. Hall, see what he does. Yeah, and I don't think D.L. Hall is going to be the closer. I think that's still Yenier Cano. Yeah. But D.L. Hall was striking out 13 batters per nine innings in AAA Norfolk. Yeah, he dominated. Yeah, I, it's not the kind of numbers that we saw from like Felix Bautista in the minor leagues, but it doesn't it remind you of it a little bit? I mean, Felix Bautista in the minors had insane strikeout numbers. His walk numbers were terrible. Felix Bautista was walking like six, seven, eight guys per nine innings in the minor leagues for some miraculous reason, got up to the majors and just didn't walk anybody anymore. Dio Hall has kind of been a similar story in the minor leagues where he's striking out everybody. You know how good the stuff is, but it was just like, stop walking people. And if he can figure that out at the big league level, again, not saying that he should be the closer, but he could still strike out in the major leagues 12, 13 guys per nine innings. And if the walk numbers are down a little bit, all of a sudden, you have a dominant 7th, 8th inning guy. Yeah, and all of a sudden, the bullpen's not much of an issue anymore. Instead, you're looking at, oh my gosh, when they get Felix back, what is this going to look like Right, kind of thing. Um, obviously, D.L. Hall, you still want him to be a starter, but how many failed starters have turned into incredible bullpen pieces? Zach Britton. Um, exactly. Plenty of guys. So... I like uh, I, I I really do like DL Hall at the back end of the bullpen. I think he's going to be really really helpful, and and I think he's going to flourish. Here's kind of a sneaky name that we haven't talked about much this season because he just hasn't been as good this year as he was last year. Cienal Paris is having a really really good stretch since July second. Eighteen games, he has a one ninety three ERA. Wow, I didn't know that. Opponents are hitting one forty three. I told you it was sneaky. It is sneaky. I didn't know. CNL Perez did not have a great stretch to begin this year. We know last year the ERA was sub two. He was unbelievable. Got a little bit lucky based on his advanced metrics. The expected ERA was much higher than the actual ERA we saw from Perez last season. But right now, CNL Perez looks pretty similar to what we were seeing from him last year. And if he can kind of resemble those numbers even a little bit as he's been doing over the last 20 games or so, all of a sudden that's a factor in the 7th, 8th inning. Yeah, I mean, putting it all together, I'm just thinking, like, when you're in the playoffs here, because ultimately that's what you're looking at um, with this Orioles team, when you're in the playoffs and you're looking at the back end of this bullpen that is, of course, going to prove incredibly important, as the bullpen always does in playoff baseball, Right. if you walk into it with Cano on top of his game, Danny Coulomb pitching just above a 2 ERA, you've got CNL Perez in last year's form, and then you also add D.L. Hall 
pitching better than he ever has out of the bullpen, I feel pretty confident in that bullpen. Yeah. I really do. And, and CNL Perez looks like he's doing it. Jacob Webb has a 186 ERA. I like Jacob Webb a lot. It's a possibility for he's the Orioles. Too, as like as Ben McDonald called him yesterday, every day, Jacob Webb, because it <laughs> seems like that dude can just go out there and keep yeah, pitching. Man. Vintage. How about Fuji? Fuji's a dog. As a potential X factor. Yeah. I mean, Fuji has not had the best start with the Orioles. He's been pretty inconsistent. But when you throw 101, I have faith in you. Right. So it's like... The I think stuff is there. And again, not saying that Fuji is a possibility to replace Felix Bautista as the Orioles' closer. But if Fuji gets on a hot stretch and you have somebody that you can throw out in the 6th, 7th, 8th inning who is pumping the 101-102 that we were seeing from Felix Bautista, maybe Fuji can get in some high leverage work. I mean, I could see it. Didn't he pitch high leverage in Seattle? In He closed out the Mullins game, didn't he? Fuji has been having... He did, he did. He closed out the Mullins game where Mullins had the catch in the home run. Yeah. So we've seen him in that role a little bit. Um, And he got the job done there. So I'm not saying that that's going to translate to the ALCS or ALDS, but I am saying that we've seen it, and maybe it'll work out. Yeah, Fuji's been having a pretty decent stretch here. Did allow the two runs last night in the game that was already out of hand. Whatever. But, I mean, Brandon and I talked about him in the win over Colorado where the Orioles came back and won 5-4. to four. He said that Fuji was kind of the MVP of that game. Pitched two innings, didn't allow a run. That's huge out of the bullpen. So I think really think Fuji... If he's able to find a groove here, that could be another guy that you would look at as a potential really good setup, man. Yeah, I think that the Orioles look at this like when you have a guy standing in the background who can throw 101, that's huge because especially a guy like him who's likely pretty malleable uh, and still has good stuff, command issues here and there, uh, and his ERA doesn't flatter him, but he's got good stuff and they can turn him into something that they need. Uh, And they have a track record of doing just that. At the beginning of this season, I don't think people thought this Orioles bullpen was going to be as good or nearly as good as it ended up being. Um, So you've got a lot better, a lot more talent than you thought you did. And I think that's a testament to what they've done with the pitchers they've had and going out and getting guys like Danny Coulomb and Jacob Webb and turning them into guys who can be incredibly effective down the stretch. Yeah, Peter on Facebook commenting, Fuji has the it factor, just needs some tweaking. He's inconsistent. Yeah, but he's got I the think stuff. he can get there. Let's talk about some other possibilities for this bullpen as the rosters expand on September 1st. That's Friday. A lot of guys down in AAA Norfolk that are either rehabbing right now, in the case of Tyler Wells and John Means, or have just been sent down to AAA Norfolk because the Orioles have been rotating pieces in and out of this bullpen. Names like Brian Baker and Mike Bauman are down in AAA Norfolk. Joey Crable there as well. You can only add one pitcher when rosters expand. Well, I guess you could add two if you had 12 pitchers on the roster. You can have a maximum of 14 pitchers on the roster once rosters expand on Friday. So expect the Orioles to add one position player and one pitcher. Let's start with pitchers because we've been talking about the bullpen. There has been a lot of conversation about Tyler Wells being the guy that gets called back up for the Orioles. John Means is on track for an early September return. 
I don't know if early September return necessarily means the first day of September. In terms of playoff rosters, this doesn't have an impact on what guy can be on the playoff roster. They just have to be in the organization before September 1st. So if John Means is not called up when rosters expand on Friday, that doesn't mean that John Means is not going to be on the playoff roster. It is just guys who were not in the organization before September 1st. But Bones, let's talk about some of the possibilities and we'll start with Brian Baker. I think he is a real possibility to get called up once rosters expand. He's appeared in seven games for Norfolk, three runs allowed, striking out 13 batters per nine innings. You need another high-leverage guy. And Brian Baker, I know he allowed a lot of inherited runners this season. He did have a 364 ERA, but again, that ERA looks a lot better when inherited runners scoring does not count against your ERA. Brian Baker, another guy, can pump 100. He has been getting in work in Norfolk, would kind of be a more fresh arm at this point because he's not getting as much consistent work with the Tides. I think he's a real possibility. Yeah, for me, this discussion does hinge on Tyler Wells because if you're going to bring up Brian Baker, uh, like you said, you only get one pitcher. Yeah. That means you're, 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 you know, you're, you're saying goodbye Tyler Wells for the rest of the season, likely. Um, uh, so, and what a weird season. Well, I don't, I don't know if that necessarily means that Tyler Wells doesn't come up for the rest of the season. I don't see him coming up like two weeks later to add to the rotation. Do you? Not necessarily to add the ro- to the rotation, but Tyler Wells was exclusively a bullpen arm in 2021. Yes, true. But I don't know. I, I feel like they're going to make their, de- their decision and they're going to choose a guy and he's going to come up. Sure. So, But we have seen the Orioles flip-flop a lot on guys who are at the majors being sent down to AAA Norfolk. Again, Brian Baker true. and Mike Bauman did not have terrible seasons no, ERA-wise. No, Those guys are so. solid bullpen arms. Brian Baker, as I mentioned, the 364 ERA on the season. I think Mike Bauman right around there this year as well. So it's not like those guys you know, weren't contributing to the Orioles' bullpen. Mike Bauman at the 382 ERA. They just kind of needed to get bounced back and forth because you needed fresh arms, and that's yeah, just how yeah. the roster was constructed. So if Brian Baker doesn't get called up on Friday, there's still a possibility that we could see him towards the end of September. I think Tyler Wells is the same case. I like Baker. I do. Um, another guy with a lot of velocity. He can get that ball up above 100 miles an hour. Um, but also, like you said, wasn't incredibly reliable earlier in the season, and that's probably why he found himself uh, down in AAA. Sure. But uh, I, I think I could see him as well coming up and making a difference, uh, especially with a bit of a thinned-out bullpen. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. But it's also a good problem to have because you have so much talent down there. So I, it's tough to go wrong, honestly. It's tough to make a decision upon it. I'm glad I don't have to do that. Thank God Mike does. Uh, but, I mean, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, let's talk more about Tyler Wells because that is the name that has been tossed around the most when you are talking about who the Orioles will call up as a pitcher for this September call-up. Started three games in Bowie. He has come out of the bullpen in Norfolk. 380 ERA with the Orioles this season was arguably their best pitcher, best starter for the first two months I mean, of the season. The whip. Yeah, for Thank a you. while. Yeah. And then Tyler Wells, you know, we know the case with this starting rotation with a lot of guys 
reaching their career highs in innings. Tyler Wells gets a little fatigued. His arm does. Brandon Hyde kind of describes going down to Bowie and Norfolk as a bit of a rest period for Tyler Wells. I think the intention here is clear that Tyler Wells will be back in Baltimore at some point. The intention of this period where he is in the minors is not necessarily because the numbers weren't good and he needed to send them down. It was just because he needed a little bit of a break on the arm. Though to be fair, the numbers weren't. The numbers weren't as great for his last few starts before he got sent down, but the numbers overall certainly did not warrant a demotion to the minor leagues because this was not a demotion. This was, you need a little bit of a break on your arm. Let's give you a little bit of a rest. I think the discussion with Tyler Wells is not necessarily whether or not he comes up at some point down the line. The two biggest questions are, does he come up on Friday when rosters expand? And what role will he have when he comes back? Because as of right now, the Orioles are running with a six-man starting rotation. Cole Irvin yep. is back in the starting rotation. And he's playing well. And Cole Irvin has pitched really, really well. So I don't know if Tyler Wells is necessarily going to be a starter once he gets back up to the majors. That's not to say that Tyler Wells won't be in the starting rotation a year from now, but I think it's entirely possible that Tyler Wells, given the innings point, that he is at right now this season. Again, it's a it's a career high for a lot of guys in this starting rotation. And given the fact that he has been a solid bullpen arm in the past, I think Tyler Wells probably comes back up and joins the bullpen. Yeah, I think anybody that comes up is going to join the bullpen. If, even if that's John Means as well, I don't think he's going to come back and start either. Really? Yeah, I think he would come back to the bullpen. I think John Means would come up and start. I think John Means is... Probably a guy who hasn't started all year and hasn't put well, in innings not like started that consistently in for a really long time. Sure. I just don't see them going out there and saying, "All right, every fifth day, John, go get him." Especially when they could use the bullpen help. They could. I, I I think that they would throw him in the bullpen, knowing that he's a reliable arm and that he's faced major league hitters many times and dominated them plenty of times. I think you throw him in the bullpen and you know that he's going to help a guy like D.L. Hall, another lefty who could probably use some mentorship in the pen. I would be pretty surprised if John Means doesn't start games when he comes back. And again, I understand the argument of, well, he hasn't made any starts in the big leagues this year, but John Means on paper is one of your four best starters. Sure. But you don't know what he's going to look like in the major. He hasn't pitched in the majors in a sure, long time. But he's pitching five innings at a time in AAA Norfolk. I don't deny that he, when he left, he was absolutely your best starter. Right. But I don't know what he's going to look like in the majors now. Uh, and knowing he could come out of the pen and help out, I think that that's a reliable option. Sure. But I, I think the same case can be made for somebody like Cole Irvin right now, who, yeah, maybe you don't pitch John Means six, seven innings at a time. You don't bring him back up and just throw him into the fire in that way. But John Means, I am pretty confident, can come up and give you four or five innings in a start. And sure, maybe you don't extend him to six, seven right away, but I would certainly start John Means and have him throw, you know, even if you're only having him throw four or five innings, John Means, I think, still has to be in your starting rotation. Because especially when you're looking at a playoff starting rotation, 
you are probably looking at, you know, Kyle Bradish, I think, is a lock at this point. Grayson Rodriguez, the way that he is pitching, seems like a lock at this point. And then if you're looking at two more guys for a four-man playoff starting rotation, you are looking at Jack Flaherty, John Means, or Dean Kramer, I think, for those two spots. My money probably goes on John Means. Yeah. My my money probably goes on John Means and Jack Flaherty. I don't see any way I could see that too. That John Means comes back. Yeah. I'm not he's a leader of the team, former all star. I think he's got to be a starter. I could see it either way. Um and especially in the playoffs, sure, I could totally see them uh, starting him. But, um, I mean, and again, very good problem to have for this Orioles team. Um, and in terms of pitching, one uh, that in a situation like this, when Bautista goes down, you're really happy that you're in a situation where you have so many arms to choose from. Yeah, and that's why I think if Tyler Wells is the guy who is called up on Friday as the pitcher, I think he goes into the bullpen because he has been working out of the bullpen in Norfolk. He has worked out of the Orioles' bullpen in the past. We kind of thought that this season coming into the year, he would be in the bullpen because we thought Grayson Rodriguez would beat him out for that fifth rotation spot. Didn't happen. Tyler Wells turns into one of your best starters. But I think Tyler Wells could be a very valuable bullpen piece. A lot of talk about the pitchers. Do need to talk about the position players, though, as well, as the Orioles will be adding one position player on Friday. A lot of kind of weird moving parts here for the Orioles position players. You have Aaron Hicks, who is injured right now, said he was hoping to come back at some point next week. Do you call Aaron Hicks, do you add Aaron Hicks to the active roster a little bit early? just so you don't have to send somebody back and forth if you are sending somebody back and forth. I think Aaron Hicks is a possibility to return on Friday. And then you have the prospects who you could call up for the long haul, for the playoff push. The three biggest guys that I would be looking at there are Colton Cowser, who we have already seen in the majors, Joey Ortiz, who we have already seen in the majors, and Heston Kerstad. Yeah. I'll start with Colton Kowser. He has an 850 OPS since returning to AAA Norfolk. We know that Kowser did not have the most success in the big leagues when he was first called up. We are kind of used to seeing that from Colton Kowser. Pretty much every level that Kowser has been promoted to in the minor leagues, he has started a little bit slow. Takes him a little while to adjust. Not really surprising to me that the same thing happened in the majors. But Colton Kowser's still, you know, a top 15 prospect in baseball. He can play every single outfield position, which is huge, especially at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, where we have heard Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde say that you essentially have two center fields in left field and center field. I think Colton Kowser makes a lot of sense because you know the bat can get hot. We have seen his potential throughout every level of the minor leagues. He has the potential to be a five-tool player down the line. And he can play every defensive position in the outfield. I think that would be incredibly valuable in September and very valuable for a playoff push. Yeah, I mean, it's a similar situation where you've got tons of guys to choose from. Um, Kowser, we've seen in the majors, of course, didn't play particularly well, but I honestly don't think that's going to play a huge role in whatever decision that they make because, like you said... 
He's a top 15 prospect in all of baseball. Yeah, he has the potential. Um, and he could totally come up and just be an animal for them in the playoffs. Kerstad's an interesting one because we haven't seen him in the majors, but we know that he tears the cover off the ball and has been doing so every single year since he played at Arkansas. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to do, but what, whatever they do, they're going to take a guy who can hit uh, because that's all they have to choose from, luckily. Yeah, yeah. So, let's talk about another guy who can hit, and that's Heston Kerstad. Yeah. Kerstad has not made his Major League debut that yet. Pretty unbelievable that we are talking about Heston Kerstad potentially making his Major League debut. Kerstad has been awesome this season. He has struggled a little bit in August. The batting average and the OPS have taken a little bit of a dip. But he is still hitting over 300 on the year. His numbers have gotten even better from Bowie to Norfolk. He would bring an outstanding left-handed power bat. Now, the downside with Kerstad versus somebody like Colton Kowser, I think the upside is that the bat might be able to translate a little bit quicker, just given what we have seen in Norfolk offensively from Kerstad. Yeah, also a 24-year-old. But the defense, I think, is the bigger question. Heston Kerstad is much more of a traditional corner outfield archetype where it's a, a power hitter who you can put in a corner outfield or play first base. He very much fills that role. Heston Kerstad is probably not going to be able to play left field at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm assuming. I, maybe he can, but that's a really tough left field to play. Heston Kerstad, you're probably just looking at as a right fielder, first base hybrid, DH type of guy, which feels a little bit redundant with Ryan O'Hearn. Yes. I mean, I don't think they're necessarily the same player, though. No, but it does fill a similar role of a left-handed power bat who can play a corner outfield or first base. Yeah, for sure, which is why in that situation, and I think why earlier this season... Kowser got a bit of an edge because, yep. like you said, he could play all three outfield positions, uh, and he brings a stronger glove than Kerstad does. But I guess the the question there becomes, what are you going to value going into the playoffs? Do you want a guy who can play all three outfield positions, or do you want a guy who you think his hitting floor is a little bit higher than Kowser's and bringing a guy like Kerstad? Uh, I think I'd probably go Kowser in this situation just because this lineup has not had issues this season. Yeah. Um, and Kowser, he did struggle, but I'd bet on him playing just fine if you brought him up again. Um, because as we know, he's a guy who, when he makes a jump to another level, takes a little bit to adjust. That's the track record with him. Um, I like Kowser, and I think that uh, his glove is incredibly valuable because, like you said, that left field's no joke. Yeah. Uh, and being able to play th three different outfield positions gives Hyde so much versatility within the lineup to move guys around, change things up, uh, and keep guys fresh and utilize their depth at the highest capacity. Not that Kerstad's not a good player. It's just that in this situation, I think Kowser fits a little bit better. Potentially. However, I do think there is a solid argument to be made that if Kerstad's bat is able to translate a little bit quicker than Kowser's, you have solid defensive outfield replacements right now. Ryan McKenna, I think, has earned a spot on this 28-man roster. He has been really excellent since being called back up from AAA Norfolk. I mean, 
last night. You could call it the Ryan McKenna game last night because Ryan McKenna was just making play after play. So if you wanted a solid defensive fourth outfielder, you have it in Ryan McKenna. You might already have it in Aaron Hicks if Aaron Hicks is the one that gets that final spot and you don't really make any big moves here or there. There is something to be said for the fact that if you just need somebody with the bat, Kerstad might be the guy. And think of a scenario where, I, I don't know if Brandon Hyde would necessarily do this, but think of a scenario where you are playing in a ballpark like Houston that doesn't have a terribly difficult outfield defensively. And you are facing Justin Verlander, who is a right-handed pitcher. You could potentially have Ryan O'Hearn and Heston Kerstad in your corner outfields and then have Anthony Santander at DH with Ryan Mountcastle at first base. Or you could have Ryan O'Hearn at first, put Kerstad in a corner outfield, Santander in a corner outfield. There are a lot of possibilities there where you could just get another left-handed power bat into the lineup because you don't necessarily have a pure left-handed power guy outside of Ryan O'Hearn. I mean, you have some switch hitters with Anthony Santander who has a lot of pop from the left-handed side. But in terms of a true lefty, you have Ryan O'Hearn. would be nice to have another one in Heston Kerstad. Left-handed power bats always seem to be valuable down the stretch. Because in that same situation, if you're facing from Valdez. Yeah. You know, got a lot of guys coming from the right side of the plate. Um, but what about Joey Ortiz? Joey Ortiz is another really good possibility as well. Joey Ortiz has just been so consistently excellent in AAA Norfolk. And he just hasn't been able to carve out a role in the big leagues up to this point. But Joey Ortiz is hitting, I think, still right around 330 in AAA. He plays unbelievable shortstop defense. defense yeah, I, Joey Ortiz is in the kind of unfortunate scenario for him where there's not really anything else he can do in the minors to prove that he is worthy of a big league promotion. He is very clearly worthy of a big league promotion. There just aren't really any guys in the majors that you can look at right now and say, yeah, Joey Ortiz is going to get consistent playing time over that guy. I mean, even if you want to look at, say, Jorge Mateo, who has struggled a little bit offensively this year, Mateo you would still bring in as a defensive replacement speed option kind of guy. Not to say that you can't do the same for Ortiz, but he doesn't have the same speed. Ortiz doesn't have the same speed as Jorge Mateo. Yeah, Maybe comparable defense. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if there is necessarily a role that Joey Ortiz fills that the Orioles don't have right now. As good as Joey Ortiz is, and as much as he has earned a spot on this roster, there's just not really a role that Joey Ortiz would fill that's unique or that the Orioles don't have at this point, which I think is blocking him from potentially being the guy to get this call. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Because, like you said, there's just... There's nothing he does that doesn't necessarily already happen on this team. And uh, if he's going to come up, whose spot is he really going to take? Are you going to play him over Ramon Urias? Maybe. Are you going to play him over Jorge Mateo? In the situations that Mateo's going to play, probably not. Uh, Because you're going to see him as a pinch runner a ton and as a defensive replacement. Right. Um, so it's a tough situation for Joey Ortiz, but you know he's not going to start over Gunner, and I don't think he's going to start over Jordan Westberg or Adam Frazier either. 
So, yeah, I mean, nobody's going to start over Gunner at this point. I think for Ortiz, again, it, it is unfortunate that he doesn't have a role on this team right now because he is so good and he does deserve a call up. I think Joey Ortiz will be on this big league roster next season. He should be. He has earned it. But as of right now, I don't necessarily see the role. So let's give our, our final predictions here for the roster expansion on Friday. It's going to be one position player, one pitcher. I think I would go with Tyler Wells coming back to the bullpen and Heston Kerstad. That's wow. going to be my prediction. That's pretty for hot Friday. take. Yeah, I think it'll be Kerstad. I've got Wells, but I'm going to go Kowser. Yeah. I think they bring up Kowser because we've seen him. Um, so he doesn't have to have that abrasive welcome to the big leagues moment. Uh, and his glove is, is just, it's better. Yeah. Um, so I go Kowser. A lot of excellent options that the Orioles could call up on Friday. Could see some bullpen help to try to make up the production that the Orioles are losing, at least for the time being in Felix Bautista. We'll see who they call up. We'll break it down next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. As always, make sure that you are checking out The Bird's Nest anywhere that you can find your podcasts, your digital shows. You can find us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you find those podcasts, your digital shows. You can find myself and Matt Bonaparte. Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes for producing this one, and we will catch you next time.